out to the farm this episode to meet the newest residents at the Heritage Farmstead Museum in Plano, new baby lambs, who brought the excitement of new birth, as well as insights into the hardships faced by Plano's earliest residents. We faced the situation that many farmers do at times, that these babies didn't make it. Our Plano character this episode is a historic figure, Amy Wilson, a championship sheep farmer whose fame extended well beyond Plano. And we take you to the Wells Farm Store, a remnant of Plano's rural past that manages to thrive despite massive changes in Plano. That's our Plano podcast, Curiosity. But as the area started growing and they started turning all these fields into houses, then we had to become more urbanized because there's no farmers here now. Welcome to Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. I'm your host, Tammy Hooker. And I'm producer Mary Jacobs. We're glad you found our little on-air hangout with stories from inside of Plano and just outside of what you might expect. We're heading out to the farm for this episode. To be specific, the Heritage Farmstead Museum. The farm has enjoyed a little baby boom this spring. The arrival of Dudley and Lil Hunter, the first set of lambs born on the farm in decades. It's a dream that staff members have planned for years and inspired by the farmstead's most famous owner, Amy Wilson. I'm Kathy Strobel. I'm the Director of Marketing and Development at the Heritage Farmstead Museum. What I understood was the last time there had been a, li- a live birth on the farm was in the 60s. So wouldn't it be neat if we could make history come alive on the on the farmstead and, and produce a new baby lamb? My name is Malou Heitenen. I'm the Executive Director at the Heritage Farmstead Museum. We were very excited. We bred two ewes, Stella and Juliet, and we were so excited. So we had the baby shower and you know to get ready for this exciting birth time as onlookers watched via a video live stream dubbed youtube that's ewe tube stella delivered her lambs without a hitch two rams named dudley and lil hunter on april 4th so stella had her twins on site and it was very exciting i actually was not here i was watching it on our live streaming (laughs) video which we're so excited we had (laughs) called youtube so it was very exciting and watching them stand up and be you know they were just so cute and we're just it was just this moment that we'd all dreamed of but juliet's date came and went Finally, she went into labor around 4 a.m. one morning. She took a little longer than we expected. You know, she, you know, her, her due date was one day and it just kept going longer. We're waiting and waiting and waiting and Shally, she knew something was, was going on, that it was taking a little bit longer than it should. I'm Shally Bowles and I serve on the board of directors here at the Heritage Farmstead Museum and I teach agriculture at Plano Senior High School. Every effort was made to make it be as, you know, as good as we possibly could have. Uh, and it, sometimes things just don't work out the way that we intentionally, you know, plan for them to. The vet reached in and searched and felt and realized that Juliet needed some help bringing these babies out. And so quickly she worked as fast as she could and she reached in and she brought two babies out. And we learned very quickly that one was a boy and one was a girl. And we faced the situation that many farmers do at times, that these babies didn't make it. 
as far as what went wrong, she just didn't progress as fast enough as she should have. And so the lambs just stayed inside of her for too long. And so due to the timing really is what caused the lambs to pass away before they were actually born. It was emotional, there's no question. And I think, you know, you just, you, you know those things happen, you know, but you're just, you know, it's extremely emotional. It's a farm and, and, and it's just like everything else in life. I mean, things happen and, and I know that. Farmstead staff were devastated, but they came to realize that the loss offered a valuable glimpse into what life was like for Plano's earliest residents. All of a sudden I saw an opportunity for education again because truly kids may not understand that this was a common situation for the farmer. He didn't always have control of the weather, his animals, of the crops, you know, and he always had to make the best of it. The Heritage Farmstead Museum's mission is to educate visitors about Plano's agricultural past. Back then, setbacks like lost animals or crops were just part of life. But it's disheartening when it does happen, but it's just part of life in the farms. That's Rodney Haggard. His family has been farming here since the time Plano was first settled. And he's still working a farm in Plano today. We've kind of had that problem all along with, with sheep. We had sheep on our farm, and it wasn't so much... Um, the birth, what we had a lot of problem with was cows and things on ours. We had to stop raising sheep because of that. We had so many coming in and taking the sheep. Rodney remembers the days when Plano was mainly a farming community and how life was very different. When I was growing up, Plano was about 2,500. He's talking about people here, not flocks of sheep. Plano was really small back then, and then it was primarily an agricultural town, so we used to take sheep down the park and through the middle of town and would see airplanes flying out of downtown Plano. So it was, it was just an ag town. And uh, it's kind of hard to realize, too, that after, we, after our crops, we didn't, have, we didn't know exactly what fertilizer to use, but we'd burn all the fields at night. We'd, we'd plow around and then uh, it would put iron back in the soil. We didn't really know what it was, I don't think, but at night, it was kind of like Plano was on fire. All the fields were burning all the time. We didn't have tractors where we could cultivate and, and take the weeds out of the cotton, things like that. So we had crews that would come in, uh, there would be like, 50 to 100, they'd come in two different trucks and things like that, and they would go to all the farmers. We knew just about the time they were going to come, so they would take hoes and they would be spread out. They would just hoe out all the fields and clean them all out and go to another farm and do it. So it's kind of hard to believe Plano was, was that way, but that's exactly what it, what it was. Hard-working people, that's where it's sun up to sundown. But I enjoyed it. It, it really... You know, I wouldn't have it any other way, living on a farm and, and the people and the camaraderie of... You only have one time a year that, that you get a check, and uh, if you have bad weather or something, you don't do that. So all the relatives, good friends or whatever, they would finish their crops. They'd bring their combines over, and they'd help you finish up your crop. And uh, all the farmers, I don't know how the gas people did like boiling oil and gas you would pay your gas bill one time a year and they would they would they wouldn't charge anything until you had that crop so it was really back in the old days visitors to the farmstead can learn about those old days many people don't realize the the deep rich farming community that was here before it 
all the development occurred. I came here to teach agriculture and this is a, the place that our students can come and have true agriculture on a day-to-day -day basis. They can come here and see animals. Um, we just recently had the babies born and they can come here and see true life happening here at the farm and see what true production agriculture is really all about. If we think back of what agriculture is for, um, all of our clothes, our food, every bit of it is coming from agriculture. It's the, the backbone of America, actually, you know. And so for every student to truly understand um, where their food comes from, understand how, why did so many people come here? Even though we aren't farming this land anymore, there's a reason why we all came here, and that's because of the rich farmland here. We see over 15,000 school children a year in, uh, at field trips. Many kids don't know where eggs come from other than the local grocery store. This is our opportunity to take the walls of the classroom down and open up a living, breathing environment for kids to put their hands on what happened long ago and encourage them to get involved and understand where they came from. We have education tours, so youth programs, field trips. We have junior FFA kids that keep their animals here. We have junior historians that meet on site. Lots of youth-oriented programs, but we also have programs for adults. We have a 55-plus program that are for seniors, and we have a lot of events at night. We do a, a very interesting and fun adult egg hunt. We also do a dinner and concert fundraiser, but really we're a community meeting place. You can meet Stella, Juliet, Dudley, Lil Hunter, and a host of other farm animals, and learn about Plano's agrarian past at the Heritage Farmstead Museum. Their website is listed on our episode resources, and they're located on 15th Street between Alma and Custer. Are you enjoying this episode of Plano Podcast? If so, you can join our growing list of patrons. Visit planopodcast.com and click on the support tab for more information. Now, back to the show. For our Plano Podcast character, we're going to introduce you to one of the most colorful personalities in Plano's past, Miss Amy Wilson. Amy Wilson was the last living resident here at the Heritage Farmstead Museum. The Victorian home is often called the Amy Wilson House. Amy died in 1972. Her um, claim to fame for us is her transformation into being one of the most celebrated women figures in sheep breeding uh, in our country and in internationally. She was a really strong, strong lady for sure. And all the times I saw her, she had those sunglasses and hat on. And uh, but she's really well respected. She bore her her skills in raising sheep was incredible. I know we we had sheep. We were always trying to get some of her bucks. Here's how she was described in a 1954 news article. A striking figure in a large hat, cowboy boots, western jeans and a shirt, wearing diamond rings and a diamond-studded watch and a diamond bracelet. Amy Wilson and her husband Dudley occupied the main house that now anchors the Heritage Farmstead. But her fame extended well beyond Plano. Here's a recording from one of Amy's radio appearances in 1955. At the age of 71 years of age, Amy, don't you think this is a little strenuous for you? It might be a little tough, Tommy, if I didn't feel real well, but it's a grand and a glorious business, and I hope to keep at it. 
I remember she became really popular. There was some show, was it What's My Line or something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. She was on that show, uh, trying people trying to guess what she did. and So she was sort of a really celebrity. She could do anything. She could play cards like <laughs> you can't believe. She was really nice, but she was a hard worker. Amy developed an interest in sheep after the death of her son, Hunter, at the age of 29. She began raising Hampshire sheep and soon was winning championships at livestock shows around the country. Here she explains why she picked this particular type of sheep. Well, now, what can you tell us about your particular breed of sheep? I just nine breeds, but out of the nine breeds, I take the Hampshire. They're easy to handle, and they're pretty, and they're tough. I like the Hampshire better. After all, every man doesn't like a red-headed woman. <laughs> She would beat all the guys in the ring with the sheep show, but then she'd also take their money afterwards, too, playing <laughs> poker yeah. Yeah, cards after poker, yeah. after the shows. And her, her poker games were legendary. Even though Amy Wilson passed away in 1972, Farmstead staff say her spirit still lives. Her spirit's alive and well here, and we hope that she's pleased. Next, our Plano podcast, Curiosity. We visit a family-owned business with roots that run deep into Plano's rural past to find out how they've managed to change, adapt, and thrive with the times. I'm Richard Wells, and my family owns Wells Brothers Pet Lawn and Garden Center. It first opened in 1959. I think they took their first load of grain in August, and it was just a local grain elevator. Richard's father and uncle started the operation. By 1961, they were stocking a few farm supplies, then feed, then farm equipment. But then Plano started growing, and the customer base started changing. Instead of farmers with cows to feed or fields to plow, the new folks had gardens, lawns, and pets. But as the area started growing, and as far as population went, and they started turning all these fields into houses, then we had to become more urbanized and adapt to that market because there's no farmers here now. I couldn't do business the way I was doing business even 20 years ago. Collin County was a big cotton county, cotton uh, area for years and years and years. I mean, at one time they tell me there were three gins in Plano. We asked him about what percent of his customers are actually farmers. One or two percent probably of the people that come through. About 20 years ago, horse owners were regular customers. That's changed as well. When we opened here 17 years ago in this location, in this building, there was a feed store in Allen. There were a feed store in Murphy. There was one in Parker. And there was three, two or three in Wiley. And now there's like one or two in Wiley. Nobody else has got one. And we sell about a third the horse feed we were selling 10 years ago. And when gas got so high and the jobs, job market kind of flattened out and all that, a lot of people got rid of their horses or they cut back. You know, they had three or four, they cut back to one or two, or they just quit. Combined with the fact that most of the area east of here and all that Parker and, and uh, Murphy area in there is subdivisions now. Today, you'll still find feed and fertilizer, but the selection is decidedly more suburban. We're probably one of the biggest organic lawn garden dealers around uh, and we we have the stuff and a little bit of knowledge of how to use it which is kind of handy especially when you're trying to make that transition from a conventional system in your yard or garden or whatever that is to more organic. 
There was a time when pickup trucks filled the parking lot at the store. But now, with the store's extensive line of organic gardening supplies, you're going to see a Prius or two. Well, you need, how much do I need? Well, you need XYZ bags. You know, they tell you what the square footage is and how thick they want it. And you do the math and, okay, this is what you need. What are you driving? Okay, yeah, I'll take it. Well, what are you driving? Well, I'm driving a Prius or a Camry. Mm, you're going to have to make a couple of trips. You know, <laughs> this is not going to work. How many can I get in my car? I said, I don't know. You got a sunroof? And I said, well, we can just pour it in the top. I said, we can fill the whole thing up. Owning a farm store is a natural transition for the Wells family which first came to North Texas to work the rich black soil here and became one of Plano's founding families. My great-grandfather came here about three years after the Civil War, I think, 1868, 1869, something like that, with his brother and I think a cousin. And they actually came through Oklahoma, which was Indian Territory back then, uh, Oklahoma Territory, and uh, in a wagon out of St. Louis like everybody else did. And uh, they settled here, and he started out working for farmers and saved a little money and bought a little dirt and just kind of took it from there. Wells and staff are knowledgeable about just about everything that grows, and that's part of what keeps customers coming back. Just ask him about fertilizer. Well, for the 1620O uh, that we still sell quite a bit of was actually a formulation that Texas A&M came up with back in the 60s for this area. Uh, there's the zero on the end is potash. The, the, you don't need potash here. We farmed here for ever, and there was never anything but a zero on the end of that number for any fertilizer we ever used in the field. Phosphate and potash and a lot of the, the micronutrients don't really go away. They stay in the plant. Then nitrogen, in, on the other hand, is kind of the energy for the plant. It's the sugar. It's the thing that makes it grow. So you do have to keep adding nitrogen. The one we have now is a 2866 because some people have some fill brought in. A lot of people aren't from around here. They like to see something on that end number. They don't want to see a zero. So we threw a little of that in there too. Those are two that we have made for us for this area. His advice for budding Plano gardeners Take what you find on the internet with a grain of salt. Remember, what works in Iowa or California likely won't work in Texas. And be patient. Most of life's problems come from unrealistic expectations. Remember, whether it's marriages or friendships or jobs, okay? So gardening is no different. It takes a little while to get an organic garden going and to get the dirt and everything kind of in sync with each other and everything working like it's supposed to. So don't get in a hurry. Your first year, don't be disappointed if it doesn't turn out like you planned, because a lot of it's the weather, too. I mean, you can have good years for certain things and not so good years for certain things, and there's nothing you can do about that. Just enjoy what you're doing, grow what you like, and learn. Stop by and see them, and connect with a part of Plano's agrarian past. And know you're welcome at Wells Brothers, whether you're driving a Prius or a Dooley. We're on uh, Avenue K, just south of Spring Creek Parkway. We tell people, come. Uh, we're down the hill on the right, just past the Sam's Gas Pumps. Thank you, Richard, for sharing your stories of Plano's rural roots. And thank you for listening to this episode of Plano Podcast. We've reached the end of another edition of Plano Podcast, tales of curiosity and character. We hope you've enjoyed today's topics and discussion. Remember to support us on Patreon and to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Send your feedback, ideas, and comments our way. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We'll be waiting for you at our back corner booth. Until next time.